0: Welcome to your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be with you again today, and we got a lot to get to, as we usually do. Chip Scoggins will be on the show in just a little bit to talk gopher football. Haven't talked a lot of gopher football yet, but they're in the midst of spring practice. Just had their first kind of big open practice to the media over the weekend. Spring game coming up in a couple weeks, so let's check in on that team what they're up to and uh, kind of their prospects for 2021 after, you know, all they went through in 2020 and having their momentum from 2019 derailed to a certain degree, can they get back on track? Can PJ Fleck kind of get that get that train moving again, get that get that boat back in the water? Sorry, I had to go there. And uh, and, and can keep uh, keep rowing in that direction. So, we'll talk to Chip about that. Chip's great, great on on a lot of subjects, but especially Gopher's football. But first, what did I miss? Okay, I want to talk about the Wild in a couple of different contexts. You know, one, um they seem to be, you know, streaking in the right direction. Four wins in a row, now another solid win, 5-2 in Arizona on uh, on Monday night. Playoff seeding sure seems like it's kind of rounding into shape. You know, there's they there looks like they're going to be locked into that number 3 seed unless they go on some kind of major hot streak. It would be hard to see them slumping so badly over their last 12 games that they, you know, that they found their way Further out because they've got 59 points now. Fourth place in the West is Arizona with 45 points. Blues have 44. Blues have a bunch of games in hand on on the Coyotes, so maybe the Blues end up getting that fourth spot. But you know, overall, sure looks like the Wild is at least going to be that number three seed. What's interesting is at the top now, uh, Vegas has overtaken Colorado. Now Vegas has played two more games, but Vegas has two more points, so that division race at the very top might not be decided quite yet, and that means that the Wilds' you know, projected first-round opponent might not be quite as uh, set in stone as I thought it might have been. I thought Colorado was going to create some distance. Well, that hasn't happened yet. What that means is there could be a trickier first-round matchup for the Wilds, because I think they match up a lot better with Vegas than they've shown so far this season against Colorado. But we're getting ahead of ourselves there. However they manage to get there, they're going to need Kirill Kaprizov to be as good as he was on Monday night when he had another goal, power play goal. He now is the Wild's rookie point leader in a single season. He passed Marion Gaborik's record. And what I want to talk about in this context is a you know the greatness of Kaprizov because he did it in just his 44th game, um, you know, 37 points in 44 games. Um, Calder Trophy should be uh, should be definitely part of his uh, his discussion this season. He's just been tremendous from start to finish. Everything you could have wanted. Um, from from a rookie, from you know, from the hype of just how good he was coming over here and doing what he's doing. But Gabbard took seventy-one games. Just how fast he got to that mark, um, is pretty is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, basically, almost uh, you know, not quite half the games, but uh, you know, twenty-seven fewer games than, than Gabbard to get that number. I also think that number is kind of uh uh maybe embarrassing is the wrong word, but sometimes there's records that you would you, you look at and you're like, nah, that's not that's not great. Like thirty seven points is the is the franchise record for rookie points in a season and he just tied the goal mark with eighteen. That was also Gavrick's mark. I mean I don't know. Like sometimes you just look at that and you're like it, it's 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 nice that he did that. It's also a reminder of just how little impact they've gotten from rookie players over the years and just You know, a a reminder of the the kind of mediocrity that has plagued this franchise, you know, from from time to time. And it's hard to break into this league and and play really well as a rookie. I get it, but 37 points, that's the record for a franchise that's existed for more than 20 years? I mean, you know, sometimes record books kind of sneak up on you like that. I remember the, the week or two ago, I was looking at the Twins record book. You know who has the record for most wins at Target Field as a pitcher? Kyle Gibson with 32. 32 wins. That's the most a Twins pitcher has had at Target Field. Now granted, Ballpark's only been open since 2010. That's not an extremely long amount of time, but it's more than a decade now. 32. Jose Barrios is second now. I'm sure he'll he should top that mark this year. I think he's got 29 now at Target Field, so he he should get past that relatively easily. Um, you know, and and push that mark, assuming he stays here, push that mark way higher. Number three on that list, Brian Dunsing, with, I believe, 20. So, you know, sometimes a record book is a, a book of, of hallowed marks. Uh, in those two cases, and particularly the, the case of the wild, uh, kind of more of a reminder of things that haven't necessarily gone all that great. Speaking of the Twins, they should be back on the field Tuesday, expected to play a doubleheader in Oakland after getting the all clear on all of their most recent testing for COVID. That's great news for them, means that other players are staying healthy. We'll probably find out sometime Tuesday who the third player was on that COVID list. So far we know Andrelton Simmons and Kyle Garlick have been on that list, so Hopefully they can stay, you know, healthy and, and free of COVID the rest of this series and the rest of this season, and uh, and get these in, you know, playing these two games Tuesday, playing again on Wednesday, would alleviate a lot of what could have been a logistical nightmare uh, with with how much they they would have had to miss had they had to reschedule these games. So you know that's not the first and foremost consideration, but good that they should be able to get these games in and we'll see if they're able to you know kind of get back on the right track you know on Monday's show I talked all about you know this has been a disappointing start to the season me and Patrick Royce talked about just the disappointment that we've seen out of the six and eight team it's a small sample they feel like they're a better team than they've shown but you at a certain point you are what your record shows so can they bounce back can they start putting some wins together and be the team that they want to be I'm Nyla
1: Jean Myers senior assistant sports editor at the Star Tribune Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros
0: to preps, go to startribunecom slash subscribe. Happy to be joined today by Chip Scoggins. Been on a bunch of times for a bunch of different things. The thing I love about Chip, I love a lot of things about Chip, but I love <laughs> um, that he is so well Resourced in a lot of different uh, areas that we can we can talk a lot of different things. And today, Chip, I want to talk go for football. When's the when's the spring game? We sold out the spring game, right? The free spring. Yeah,
1: game? yeah, May first. Um, they had ten thousand tickets that were free, and they went within two hours. Which to me says two things that I think the schools um, feels good about. One, uh, there's some interest from people that want to check out go for. I mean, ten thousand. I can't remember ever having ten thousand at a go for spring game. Um, and the other is that. 10,000 people feel comfortable going back into a stadium. And so I think, I think the school looks at that as kind of a a double win for them that um, not a soft launch in terms of being able to pack the stadium for when the opener is. I I hope they get to that. Everybody gets to that point. I think they hope they do, but you know, 10,000 is a nice start to kind of see how you navigate crowd control and flow and all those things.
0: Yeah. A lot of cabin fever, probably people want to get out of the house, get outside. If you can't get a, Twins ticket. That's uh, maybe the next or uh, United ticket. That's the next best thing. But you, so you get, we got our first look at them, and your first impression. You know, at least in this live action, <laughs> you wrote about how <laughs> how old they are. Um, <laughs> in, in a good way. Well, it, it, it struck me like they've got some guys that are going to be in their seventh college football season. Yeah, the 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 coming together of all these factors making that uh, a thing.
1: Yeah. I've, I've never seen anything like I've never seen a, and obviously there's reasons for it. We can, we'll talk about, but um, this is a, a spring practice. Unlike any I've seen one uh, because of the sheer numbers, Mike, typically when you go to a spring practice, the seniors are gone and the freshmen aren't here yet. Um, so you have around 60 to 65 players. They have 95 scholarship players that were there. So there's just so many players um, and part of that is you had some transfers you had about I think seven or eight transfers from other school that are here. you had some freshmen that uh, which is becoming more and more of the trend that graduate early and get on campus so they can go through spring ball and maybe you know get acclimated. but also you had because the NCA granted the eligibility waiver where basically every athlete at every sport, 2020 is a do-over if you it didn't count so it didn't count as a year of eligibility so some schools allowed uh, seniors to come back some said no Um, and it's program by program Uh, Pat Royce wrote today that you know the Gophers are holding the line on baseball but with football they allowed uh, they allowed seniors to come back so it was about 10 nine or 10 is what Mark Cole uh, gave PJ Uh, and PJ said he's not he didn't close the door completely on adding another uh, transfer or two. So this team might get older. So because of that, you had seniors come coming back. So um, if you look at their projected starting offensive line, Mike, you're going to have two guys who are in their sixth year of college football, two that are in their fifth, one that's a true – I say true in marks, uh, senior who's in his fourth year, that's Daniel Fale. And then you have a tight end um, – with him, that's in his seventh year of college football, and then on the other side, uh, Micah Doo Treadway, their defensive tackle, he's going to be entering his seventh year of college football too. And it's you know, feels like he's been here for a while. This is going to be his third year with PJ. He played four years at Notre Dame. <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> so, like, like, so, you have this, you know, and and, and the other part was uh, three years ago, PJ obviously went through a youth m- movement. 2018, he said, we're going young. This is the youngest team in college football. They had stats, most number of freshmen on the two deep or whatever they did. And so this was always going to be the the vision and the plan to have an older team this year, play those young guys, take their lumps. And then because of the pandemic and because the NCAA gave that extra year, it became really old. And then you add the transfers now and transfers with your grad transfer. grad, Grad transfers can play right away no matter what. But last week, the NCAA passed the rule, the one time transfer rule. So any athlete can transfer and play right away. They don't have to sit out the year. And, and they have a wide receiver from Texas A&M, Lon Wright, who falls in that category. So you just have kind of all these events, all these things coming together where, um, and I don't think it's just going to be the Gophers. I think all these teams, you're going to see a lot yeah. of teams that are a lot older because seniors came back. And you're going to see teams that have a lot of scholarship kids. Um, on, uh, you know, like kids on scholarship and PJ said some schools, probably the big ones, probably the Bama's and the, you know, the ones that have a lot of money, you could have um, 110 guys on scholarship. Cause the, the, the limit is, is 85. But if, if you allow everybody to come back and you get a class of 25, you know, you're going to have way over a hundred. And so it'll be interesting to see how each school does it. But um, it's, it's a unique situation that as I wrote, if you're the Gophers, and not, not just that, but you have an incredibly experienced quarterback, incredibly experienced running back, a lot of experience on, on your defense side. If you're not going to take advantage of this situation, when are you? It's like, if not now, then when? Because you have a, a veteran group. you
0: got a name for guys who spend seven years in college, Chip. Doctor. <laughs> That's not, and Well, he said, I, I think Connor Olsen,
1: their offense line, is. what is the test? Is the MCATs? that you take to become a doctor?
0: Uh, I wouldn't know. I'm not a doctor. You don't, yeah. I uh, mean, you don't
1: know. Yeah. I think, I think um, that's
0: maybe right. Yeah. I, I should yeah, know that. I mean, it's like the LSATs to get into law school. So I don't know. Yeah. What
1: to... Well, he took it.
0: <laughs> okay. So he is
1: going to become a doctor, but he's going to play one more year. And I think he's one of the six year guys, but um, yeah, a number of these guys are, it's just, and, and that's where, and, and they're particularly, uh, I say old, but mature, whatever you want to say it along both
0: lines. Which awesome. is huge. That's, that's where you, that's where you want to have it. That's where you want to have it. That's
1: where you want to be old and quarterback. Um, but if you, because the difference between an 18 and 19 year old kid playing football in 21, 22, 23 is just dramatic. And I mean, you look at, I mean, Wisconsin historically, they have all those red shirt seniors that just kind of filter in their offensive line and they just keep moving along. And so that's where you want to have experience in and, and Offensive offensive line, they did it because they're getting guys back and, and seniors came back and Daniel Fahalehi and Curtis Dunlap are back after injury and opting out. But defensive line, I think that's where P.J. was real strategic about getting transfers. He had two transfers, grad transfers came in, defensive tackles, one from Clemson, Niles Pinckney, and then one from NC State, Val Martin. And those two are going to be in their top three or top four defensive tackles, where they start or whatever. I think one of them will – But I think that's where he said we need to get a lot older and a lot more experienced at defensive tackling because they got pushed around a lot up front defensively last year. And so would you rather have a grad transfer who has four years or three years of college football experience who's 23 or try to rely on an 18- or 19-year-old redshirt freshman? And PJ, I think, said let's let's use the transfer portal to really be strategic to, to fix problem areas.
0: We've seen this in college hockey a lot, like you know the that was kind of the criticism of the Gophers for a number of years is that they were too they were young they were they had a lot of these skill position guys, but they were coming straight from high school or only a year of juniors, and then the, you know you get these teams that were just flat out older, bigger. I think you saw it in college hockey even this year i, I can't remember I'm not even to say the team because I don't want to get it wrong, but I think that I saw a tweet that there was one college hockey team whose forwards group this season was older than the average group in uh, one of the NHL teams this year. So there's like, yeah,
1: that's how it is. It, what was the final four or the frozen four where the Gophers were in Philadelphia? Did they lose the union? Right.
0: Yeah. I think that was like 24 finals. Yeah. 24. I, I went
1: and covered it. Yeah. I went and covered that team that, that frozen four and they played at, I believe it was union and union was all 23, 24 year old guys who had played together for a while. And, and the Gophers had a lot of young players, freshmen, you know, Uh, sophomores that were still kind of new to it. And it, it was a mismatch. I mean, the union was just so much better and they're you know, it's great when you can find young talent that can play right away. And I think there are some spots in college football where you can do that. um, But I just think there's no substitute really for having that experience along in the trenches, long lines, because their bodies just change. I mean, when you've spent three or four years in a college football's, strength and weight program, you're going to look different than when you walked in the program. And so this is a good situation. I think their offensive line is going to be really good. I mean, getting Fahle back, he he looked good the other day. Um, looks like he may have lost some weight, which I think will help him in pass protection. But I think they have a couple NFL linemen on there. I think Blaze Andrews, um, I think Fahle, maybe Schluter. I mean, I think they have some NFL prospects on that offensive line. That you know, The, 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 the one key area, I think the biggest unknown with them, is their wide receiver core. They're going to need to develop that and find some guys there to, to uh, um Ottman Bell.
0: Sounds like you should, should be pretty optimistic about this team though. I mean, if, if you know, there's such a momentum, we've talked about this, even on this podcast, there was such a momentum in 2019 that they, they of, of all the teams in this market. And even in college football, they suffered the most, in 2020 with the, you know, the, yeah. the shutdown, the not being able to capitalize on, you know, attendance wise, not be able to count, ca- you know, try to get better on the field. But if, if they, are we kind of treating 2020 almost like it, not like it didn't happen, but that you should, you know, that they can kind of pick up a little bit more what they did in 2019 this season, even if it's a slightly different way.
1: Yeah. I don't want to give them a blanket excuse because everybody had the same situation. Right. Sure. I mean, so it's, so it's just to, to ride it off. Because I think that would be um, that would be dangerous for them because they didn't they weren't good in certain areas, right? No, I, they were. You know, Tanner Morgan took a step back, and we we could say there's different reasons for that. COVID, you know, you lost right side of your offense line. Guy got hurt, and guy opted out, so that's going to affect you. So I don't, I don't want to make it a blank excuse, but you know, they they went through that stretch where they had 49 cases not all, not all players. There were some staff and coaches in that too, but I mean, you know, he played in Nebraska without 33 players. So, I, so I'm not sure you're going to be at your, your optimum. Um, and, and I just think it was so chaotic with opt outs and, you know, Rashad Bateman was in and then out and then in and then out. And, and they, uh, they had to rely on, you know, their best linebacker got hurt. So there, there's just a lot of stuff that happened. So I think it, it's funny. We had a, a press conference with PJ before spring ball and he's always, you know, optimistic and upbeat and, you know. TGIF. Yeah, going 100 miles an hour. But I noticed a little different tone about this team. And I think it's – if I was coaching him, I would be too because we go back to that experience. It's like Tanner Morgan's going mean, to be his third-year start. He's seen a lot as a quarterback. You have the best running back in the Big Ten. You have an offensive line that has 140 career starts. That's a lot of starts. I mean, you have some NFL players there. Your defense, you got some reinforcements. Uh, Braylon Oliver is coming back from injury, your best linebacker. Um, and so I think you look at it as like you're – particularly if you project to 2020 twenty twenty-two, when all these guys are going to be gone, you're not going to be this old again next year. And so it's like you, you should take advantage of this. I mean, this is – you're not going to be able to say, well, we're, you know, we're young and in a couple of years, these guys are going to, you know, watch out. They're going to be good. No, this is a veteran group that you know what you have in them who've played a lot of football. And so go, go show it, go take advantage of having this kind of experience because you're just not going to have many teams that has that have as much
0: experience at key positions as this one has. Probably gives them a little more depth than they had last year too, not just quality, but, you know, you're able to withstand. They just weren't able to withstand much last season. I mean, there were such, you know, there were some games, like you said, where they were just missing so many guys, but even in like critical moments, if you're missing two or three players and you have good depth, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't derail a game plan or derail a season like, you know, you know, like it might not this year.
1: Yeah. Much more depth along particularly defensive line. I think that, you know, their, their defensive tackle, they, they could have five, six guys in there, which they just didn't have. And so there will be guys that started last year, multiple games that will be backups this year. And that's a good thing. That's what you want. And so when you get hit, you know, in the past, they would say, Oh gosh, we got an injury. We're going to have to play a freshman or we're going to have to play a retro or a sophomore. Now you're going to say, okay, we got a senior coming in there, or a grad transfer. And so I think the, the, the depth is a lot, uh, a lot better along the, along both lines. Um, I think they still, to me, the, the biggest areas are wide receiver, and I still think they need to um, address the secondary. And P.J., like I said, he didn't rule out maybe adding another grad transfer there. But I, I did, like, it's funny, the one, uh, one player who jumped out at me Saturday, and I think a lot of other guys were tweeting it too, so he tells you that everybody was watching. They, they have this freshman cornerback, Wally, W-A-L-L-E-Y. The, he was a Mr. Football in Mississippi last year. Honestly, like every time, Justin Wally, I think his name, every time I looked up, he was making a play. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, man, Zero's making a lot of plays. And you look at his, you know, his name and had a couple pass breakups and they're really high on him. So I, I don't know if he starts at cornerback, but I just based on listening to PJ talking, watching him in one practice, he looks like a guy that will play as a true freshman and, you know, get some meaningful minutes because he's, he didn't, you know, he's surrounded by a bunch of fourth and fifth year guys and he's a, you know, a true freshman, and he didn't look like a freshman.
0: You know, the portal, and we've talked about the portal. It's totally changed college sports. I'm not it, mm-hmm. saying, you know, I, I enjoy it. I kind of like that they have more mobility now, but it's it's no doubt that it's changed. Let's talk a little bit, go for basketball, and just kind of related items for a few minutes here. You know, they've added a lot of players in the portal. They've lost a lot of players of the portal. You know, we we saw Chet Holmgren, the, you know, Minnehaha Academy. This is not a portal situation, but he he picked his team on uh on monday no surprise it was a uh, gonzaga almost 10 seconds later jalen suggs makes it official that he's turning mm-hmm. pro can't have more than one mini haha ha academy guy on the, <laughs> on the roster at all times i guess but uh that's right just you know g- give me your your takes on kind of that landscape and you know what what ben johnson is doing early versus what he needs to do you know eventually here maybe not to get the chad holmgrens of the world necessarily yeah. but to get that you know to to, to work his way into that mix
1: Well, I would say college sports um, are changed fundamentally now because of the portal. And it's, it's at times it's going to be, it's going to feel chaotic with just your roster churn. And I think it's going to be yearly. And if you have a coaching change, it's going to be even more exaggerated. Like what we're seeing with the Gophers where. They bought like I think
0: seven guys, right? Have gone through. The yeah, it seems like it. And they and they got Peyton um, Willis back. They've yeah, they seen got six guy, guys back. I know. I've never seen a guy transfer out then transfer back in. No, and it was. And
1: remember, he started at Vanderbilt. Um, and so, but this is, I don't think it'll be this to this degree every year. But because that it's so easy to transfer now with the one time transfer and the portal, I think it's just going to be this is what it is. I mean, we can complain about it. We can you know pull your hair out if you're a fan because. There's just so much mobility now, but this it's not changing. This is how it's going to be. And so um, I think it's good for, it's good and bad for, for, you know, Ben Johnson taking over because I don't know how many of those players he would have liked to keep, you know, probably Mashburn. He didn't want to lose. Right.
0: Um, and he followed Patina right to New Mexico.
1: Yeah. And so, but it also gives you a chance to reshape your roster quick and get more experience you know, the, the one, the obvious question you have is, okay, he's getting guys and guys who played college basketball, but at a lower level. And how are they going to translate to the big 10? You know, just because you had, you know, a nice career at William and Mary or um, somewhere else, you know, Lafayette or somewhere else, is that going to be able to project to be a quality big 10 player? I mean, it's just, I have no idea. I haven't seen these guys play. He's obviously been, he's, he feels like he, in his evaluation, that yes, that he, that these guys will be able to make that step up in competition. And So um, it's going to be interesting to see how you, you know, put all this together. Um, I like to say that the portal, it used to be teams could grow together. The portal, now they're thrown together. It's changed college basketball, particularly because I think you're going to see that a lot, that you're, these teams are going to really change from year to year kind of be remade and so it's not going to be the same teams that you see two or three years together because there's just going to be this constant churn and even even if a guy has a good year for you it doesn't mean he's coming back I, it, it, I can't imagine coaching in this because you have to coach you have to recruit high school kids and you have to recruit the portal and and your own kids to make sure right. own players to make sure they're not you know as best you can to keep them from leaving
0: last thing a lot of the projections on Suggs are you know, high lottery pick, maybe not number one. I mean, Cade Cunningham, it seems like that's yeah. that's his spot, but like that he's more of like in that three to five range. That was what Chad Ford tweeted out right after he made his decision. He's done you know, tons of draft prep over the years. What are what is the likelihood, Chip, that uh he's gonna wind up a Golden State Warrior with the Wolves <laughs> pick?
1: <laughs> of course, he is, and he's gonna have a Hall of Fame career. Of course, he is, right? No, I mean, that's the thing is. If, if the Wolves somehow get to keep their pick, they, they get the 40%. Um, I know they want to see how this dangelo russell Towns uh, combination works, but if I'm gerson Roses, if I can get Cunningham or, or Suggs, I'm doing it, and I'm starting over at point guard. That, I mean, I just I, – I, I love the way Suggs play, and when you look at the number of guys that are kind of like ball dominant, want to take their shots, whether it's Towns or Edwards or you know, Beasley when he's in the mix – um, to have a more of a you know point guard that fits with that, I, I think I would. But Gerson is obviously tied. You know, he's staked everything on this Russell Towns thing working, and we'll you know I guess we'll get a better idea of that as this you know season unfolds. But it would if if they land in that situation where they have a shot at either Cunningham or Suggs, how do you pass that up?
0: I, I don't think you can unless you no. Unless you use that as you know, I was talking with Dane Moore about this on a podcast recently. and Unless you use that as a as a chip to to make a major trade, and you know, you'd feel like you you've got your your 19 year old and Edwards, and do you really want to, you know, have more of that youth intersecting with the you know the kind of mid career of Towns and Russell? But I, I would do what you do. What you're saying, and all of it though is predicated on that. Yeah, saying, well, I- man. If they have to give up that pick to Golden State, oh. it's going to hurt extra if <laughs> if it ends up being Suggs, because that it would, it would either be the four or five pick, and he could be right there.
1: Don't worry. Things always break right for the Wolves, right? They do.
0: Yeah, why worry about this at all? <laughs> all right. Chip, man, good stuff. As always, appreciate it. We'll, we'll catch you again soon. All right? Thanks, man. Great stuff from Chip. And I was like talking to Royce about briefly on Monday. This is shaping up to be across a lot of different college sports, especially football. One of the most interesting seasons, um, and it could be a great season just in terms of the eligibility people still have uh, because of the COVID-shortened seasons and you know a lot of players coming back. This, this could be kind of a golden era, unintentionally, of, of college football and just this one year where you have a ton of talented players on all of these rosters. Let's end with the cooler. A simple question. William Hill Sportsbook has the Vikings at 8.5 wins. That's the over-under, uh, 8.5. No other team is at 8.5 right now, or at least opened at 8.5 a couple days ago. 17-game schedule, that makes, that makes your question easy. Are the Vikings a winning team or a losing team? If you are a gambler, if you're just uh, looking at this from entertainment purposes only, do you like the Vikings to be nine and eight or better or eight and nine or worse? And that is your question as a you know, as you think about this season, as as the odds makers have put this out there, what do you think of the Vikings as a team? Are they a winning team or are they a losing team? And maybe you need more information. Maybe you want to know what do they get in the draft? What else might they do in free agency? Yeah, that, that is gonna have an impact to a certain degree. You can assume they're gonna add some offensive linemen, things like that, but fundamentally This team isn't going to change. They've done most of what they're going to do on defense. The quarterback is Kirk Cousins. The running back is Dalvin Cook. The wide receivers are Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They added some defensive depth, but they're also a little tenuous here. Guys are getting older. You don't know when they're going to kind of fall off. Kirk Cousins, you know, going into a year that's pretty important for him. Mike Zimmer going into a year that's important for him. Here's the way I look at it. If I'm betting a small amount of money just for fun and you want to see kind of how this season plays out, I'm betting the over. If you are betting a lot of money, if you're really gaming this season out, it's the Vikings. I'm betting the under and the things that are going to fall apart. We'll see, though. Long way to go. Draft coming up. We're going to have a lot of good draft content on next week's shows, including some Mark Craig mock drafts and other things to, uh, to get to there. Good stuff coming up on Wednesday show as well. Expect to be joined by Blake Barrett's uh, player agent to talk through some of this NFL off-season program uh, discussion between players and the league, and also a little bit of NFL draft with him as well. Thanks for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, and we will catch you again on Wednesday.